0: AWS Exam Recordings, AWS Certified Developer Associates Exam DVAC 2. In this lesson, we will cover questions you should know before taking the exam. Let's begin. First, an application running on Amazon EC2 is experiencing intermittent technical difficulties. The developer needs to find a solution for tracking the errors that occur in the application logs and setting up a notification when the error rate exceeds a certain threshold. How can this be achieved with the least complexity? Answer use CloudWatch logs to track the number of errors that occur in the application logs and send an SNS notification. You can use CloudWatch logs to monitor applications and systems using log data. For example, CloudWatch logs can track the number of errors that occur in your application logs and send you a notification whenever the rate of errors exceeds a threshold you specify. CloudWatch Logs uses your log data for monitoring, so no code changes are required. For example, you can monitor application logs for specific literal terms such as null reference exception or count the number of occurrences of a literal term at a particular position in log data such as 404 status codes in an Apache access log. When the term you are searching for is found, CloudWatch Logs reports the data to a CloudWatch metric that you specify. Log data is encrypted while in transit and while it is at rest. Next, a development team is migrating data from various file shares to AWS from on-premises. The data will be migrated into a single Amazon S3 bucket. What is the simplest method to ensure the data is encrypted at rest in the S3 bucket? Answer enable default encryption when creating the bucket. Amazon S3 default encryption provides a way to set the default encryption behavior for an S3 bucket. You can set default encryption on a bucket so that all new objects are encrypted when they are stored in the bucket. The objects are encrypted using server-side encryption with either Amazon S3 Managed Keys, SSE S3 or Customer Master Keys CMKs stored in AWS Key Management Service, AWS KMS. Next, a developer needs to resolve an issue where orders are occasionally being processed twice. The application uses an auto scaling group of Amazon EC2 instances and an Amazon SQS queue. How can the developer resolve this issue most cost effectively? Answer use of FIFO queue and configure the producer to provide a message deduplication ID. The message deduplication ID is the token used for deduplication of sent messages. If a message with a particular message deduplication ID is sent successfully, Any messages sent with the same message deduplication ID are accepted successfully but aren't delivered during the five-minute deduplication interval. The message deduplication ID is used with FIFO queues which also provide exactly once processing unlike standard queues which only provide at least once delivery. The producer should provide message deduplication ID values for each message. Therefore, the best answer is to use a FIFO queue and configure the producer to provide a message to duplication ID. Next, a team of developers are adding an API layer to a multi-container Docker environment running on AWS Elastic Beanstalk. The client submitted method requests should be passed directly to the backend without modification. Which integration type is most suitable for this solution? answer HTTP proxy. You choose an API integration type according to the types of integration endpoint you work with and how you want data to pass to and from the integration endpoint. For a Lambda function, you can have the Lambda proxy integration or the Lambda custom integration. For an HTTP endpoint, you can have the HTTP proxy integration or the HTTP custom integration. For an AWS service action, you have the AWS integration of the non-proxy type only API Gateway also supports mock integration, where API Gateway serves as an integration endpoint to respond to a method request. As this is a Docker deployment running on Elastic Beanstalk, the HTTP integration types are applicable. There are two options. HTTP, this type of integration lets an API expose HTTP endpoints in the backend. With the HTTP integration, also known as the HTTP custom integration, you must configure both the integration request and integration response. You must set up necessary data mappings from the method request to the integration request and from the integration response to the method response. HTTP proxy, the HTTP proxy integration allows a client to access the backend HTTP endpoints with a streamlined integration setup on single API method. You do not set the integration request or the integration response. API Gateway passes the incoming request from the client to the HTTP endpoint and passes the outgoing response from the HTTP endpoint to the client. As we can see from the above explanation, the most suitable integration type for this deployment is going to be HTTP proxy. Next, a company is designing a new application that will store thousands of terabytes of data. They need a fully managed NoSQL data store that provides low latency and can store key value pairs. Which type of database should they use? Answer Amazon DynamoDB. Amazon DynamoDB is a fully managed NoSQL database. With DynamoDB, you can create database tables that can store and retrieve any amount of data and serve any level of request traffic. You can scale up or scale down your tables throughput capacity without downtime or performance degradation. DynamoDB is a key value database. A key value database is a type of non-relational database that uses a simple key value method to store data. A key value database stores data as a collection of key value pairs in which a key serves as a unique identifier. Both keys and values can be anything ranging from simple objects to complex compound objects. Next, a developer is creating a new application that will store data in a DynamoDB table which APIs can be used to read, write, and modify individual items in the table. Answer getItem, putItem, and updateItem. The getItem operation returns a set of attributes for the item with the given primary key. If there is no matching item, getItem does not return any data and there will be no item element in the response. PutItem creates a new item or replaces an old item with a new item. If an item that has the same primary key as the new item already exists in the specified table, the new item completely replaces the existing item. Update item edits an existing item's attributes or adds a new item to the table if it does not already exist. You can put delete or add attribute values. You can also perform a conditional update on an existing item insert a new attribute name value pair if it doesn't exist or replace an existing name value pair if it is certain expected attribute values. Next, a developer is making updates to the code for a Lambda function. The developer is keen to test the code updates by directing a small amount of traffic to a new version. How can this best be achieved? Answer create an alias that points to both the new and previous versions of the function code and assign a waiting for sending a portion of traffic to the new version. You can create one or more aliases for your AWS Lambda function. A Lambda alias is like a pointer to a specific Lambda function version. Users can access the function version using the alias ARN. You can point an alias to multiple versions of your function code and then assign a weighting to direct certain amounts of traffic to each version. This enables a blue slash green style of deployment and means it's easy to roll back to the older version by simply updating the waiting if issues occur. Next. An application uses multiple Lambda functions to write data to an Amazon RDS database. The Lambda functions must share the same connection string. What is the best solution to ensure security and operational efficiency? Answer, create a secure string parameter using AWS Systems Manage Parameter Store. AWS Systems Manager Parameter Store provides secure hierarchical storage for configuration data management and secrets management. You can store data such as passwords, database strings, and license codes as parameter values. You can store values as plain text unencrypted data or ciphertext encrypted data. You can then reference values by using the unique name that you specified when you created the parameter. A secure string parameter is any sensitive data that needs to be stored and referenced in a secure manner. If you have data that you don't want users to alter or reference in plain text, such as passwords or license keys, create those parameters using the secure string data type. If you choose the secure string data type when you create a parameter, then parameter store uses an AWS key management service KMS customer master key CMK to encrypt the parameter value. This is the most secure and operationally efficient way to meet this requirement. The connection string will be encrypted and only needs to be managed in one place where it can be shared by the multiple Lambda functions. Next, a developer is making some updates to an AWS Lambda function that is part of a serverless application and will be saving a new version. The application is used by hundreds of users and the developer needs to be able to test the updates and be able to roll back if there are any issues with user experience. What is the safest way to do this with minimal changes to the application code? Answer, create an alias and point it to the new and previous versions. Assign a weight of 20% to the new version to direct less traffic. Update the application code to point to the new alias. You can create one or more aliases for your AWS Lambda function. The Lambda alias is like a pointer to a specific Lambda function version. Users can access the function version using the alias ARN. You can point to an alias multiple versions of your function code and then assign a waiting to direct certain amounts of traffic to each version. This enables a blue slash green style of deployment and means it's easy to roll back to the older version by simply updating the waiting if issues occur with user experience. Next, a developer has deployed an application on an Amazon EC2 instance in a private submit within a VPC. The submit does not have internet connectivity. The developer would like to write application logs to an Amazon S3 bucket. What must be configured to enable connectivity? Answer, a VPC endpoint should be provisioned for S3. Note that the question specifically asks how to enable connectivity, so this is not about permissions. When using a private subnet with no internet connectivity, there are only two options available for connecting to Amazon S3, which remember, is a service with a public endpoint. It's not in your VPC. The first option is to enable internet connectivity through either an NAT gateway or an NAT instance. However, there is no answer offering either of these as a solution. The other option is to enable a VPC endpoint for S3. The specific type of VPC endpoint to S3 is a gateway endpoint. EC2 instances running in private submits of a VPC can use the endpoint to enable controlled access to S3 buckets, objects, and API functions that are in the same region as the VPC. You can then use an S3 bucket policy to indicate which VPCs and which VPC endpoints have access to your S3 buckets. Next, a developer is building a Docker application on Amazon ECS that will use an application load balancer ALB. The developer needs to configure the port mapping between the host port and container port. Where is the setting configured? Answer task definition. Port mappings allow containers to access ports on the host container instance to send or receive traffic. Port mappings are specified as part of the container definition. The container definition settings are specified within the task definition. The relevant settings are container port the port number on the container that is bound to the user specified or automatically assigned host port. Host port the port number on the container instance to reserve for your container. With an ALB, you can use dynamic port mapping, which makes it easier to run multiple tasks on the same Amazon ECS service on an Amazon ECS cluster. This is configured by setting the host port to zero. Next, a company will be uploading several terabytes of data to Amazon S3. What is the simplest solution to ensure that the data is encrypted before it is sent to S3 and whilst in transit? Answer use client-side encryption with a KMS-managed CMK and SSL. Client-side encryption is the act of encrypting data before sending it to Amazon S3. You have the following options. Use a customer master key CMK stored in AWS Key Management Service, AWS KMS. Use a master key you store within your application. Additionally, using HTTPS/SSL to encrypt the data as it is transmitted over the internet adds an additional layer of protection. Next, an Amazon RDS database that stores product information for an online e-commerce marketplace is experiencing heavy demand. An increase in read requests is causing the database performance to be impacted and is affecting database rights. What is the best way to offload the read traffic from the database with minimal code changes and cost? Answer, create an RDS read replica and modify the application to send read requests to the replica. Amazon RDS read replicas are used for offloading reads from the primary database instance. Read replicas provide a read-only copy of the database. In this scenario, this represents the simplest way of achieving the required outcome. The application will need to be modified to point to the read replica for all read requests. This requires some code changes, but they are minimal. Next, an AWS Lambda functions downloads a 50 MB from an object storage system each time it is invoked. The download delays the function completion and causes intermittent timeouts, which is slowing down the application. How can the application be refactored to resolve the timeout? Answer store the file in the slash TMP directory of the execution context and reuse it on subsequent invocations. Next, a developer is building a web application that will be hosted on Amazon EC2 instances. The EC2 instances will store configuration data in an Amazon S3 bucket. What is the safest way to allow the EC2 instances to access the S3 bucket? Answer, create an IAM role with a customer managed policy attached that has the necessary permissions and attach the role to the EC2 instances. Applications that run on an EC2 instance must include AWS credentials in their AWS API requests. You could have your developers store AWS credentials directly within the EC2 instance and allow applications in that instance to use those credentials. But developers would then have to manage the credentials and ensure that they securely pass the credentials to each instance and update each EC2 instance when it's time to rotate the credentials. Instead, you can and should use an IAM role to manage temporary credentials for applications that run on an EC2 instance. When you use a role, you don't have to distribute long-term credentials such as a username and password or access keys to an EC2 instance. Instead, the role supplies temporary permissions that applications can use when they make calls to other AWS resources. When you launch an EC2 instance, you specify an IAM role to associate with the instance. Applications that run on the instance can then use the role supply temporary credentials to sign API requests. There are two answers that would work in this scenario. In one, a customer managed policy is used and in the other, an AWS managed policy is used. The customer managed policy is more secure in this situation as it can be locked down with more granularity to ensure that EC2 instances can only read and write to the specific bucket. With an AWS managed policy, you must choose from read only or full access and full access would provide more access than is required. Next. A developer is building a multi-tier web application that accesses an Amazon RDS MySQL database. The application must use the credentials to connect and these need to be stored securely. The application will take care of secret rotation, which AWS service represents the lowest cost solution for storing credentials. Answer AWS Systems Manager Parameter Store. AWS Systems Manager Parameter Store provides secure hierarchical storage for configuration data management and secrets management. You can store data such as passwords, database strings, and license codes as parameter values. It is highly scalable, available, and durable. You can store values as plain text unencrypted data or ciphertext encrypted data. You can then reference values by using the unique name that you specified when you created the parameter. There are no additional charges for using SSM parameter store. However, there are a limit of 10,000 parameters per account. Next, an application uses AWS Lambda, which makes remote to several downstream services. A developer wishes to add data to custom subsegments in AWS X Ray that can be used with filter expressions. Which type of data should be used? Answer use annotations. AWS X-Ray helps developers analyze and debug production distributed applications, such as those built using a microservices architecture. With X-Ray, you can understand how your application and its underlying services are performing to identify and troubleshoot the root cause of performance issues and errors, X-Ray provides an end-to-end view of requests as they travel through your application and shows a map of your application's underlying components. You can record additional information about requests, the environment, or your application with annotations and metadata. You can add annotations and metadata to the segments that the X-Ray SDK creates or to custom subsegments that you create. Annotations are key-value pairs with string, number, or Boolean values. Annotations are indexed for use with filter expressions. Use annotations to record data that you want to use to group traces in the console or when calling the Get Trace Summaries API. Next, a developer is designing a web application that will be used by thousands of users. The users will sign up using their email addresses and the application will store attributes for each user. Which service should the developer use to enable users to sign up for the web application? Answer Amazon Cognito user pool. A user pool is a user directory in Amazon Cognito. With a user pool, your users can sign into your web or mobile app through Amazon Cognito. Your users can also sign in through social identity providers like Google, Facebook, Amazon, or Apple, and through SAML identity providers. Whether your users sign in directly or through a third party, all members of the user pool have a directory profile that you can access through a software development kit SDK. User pools provide sign-up and sign-in services, a built-in, customizable web UI to sign-in users, social sign-in with Facebook, Google, login with Amazon, and sign-in with Apple, as well as sign-in with SAML identity providers from your user pool. User directory management and user profiles. Security features such as multi-factor authentication MFA, checks for compromised credentials, account takeover protection, and phone and email verification. Customized workflows and user migration through AWS Lambda triggers. After successfully authenticating a user, Amazon Cognito issues JSON Web Tokens JWT that you can use to secure and authorize access to your own APIs or exchange for AWS credentials. Therefore, an Amazon Cognito user pool is the best solution for enabling sign up to the new web application. Next, a company uses an Amazon EC2 web application with Amazon CloudFront to distribute content to its customers globally. The company requires that all traffic is encrypted between the customers and CloudFront and CloudFront and the web application. What steps need to be taken to enforce this encryption? Choose two. Answer one. Set the viewer protocol policy to HTTPS only or redirect HTTP to HTTPS. And two. Set the origin protocol policy to HTTPS only. To ensure encryption between the origin Amazon EC2 and CloudFront, you need to set the origin protocol policy to HTTPS only. This is configured in the origin settings. To ensure encryption between CloudFront and the end users, you need to change the viewer protocol policy to HTTPS only or redirect HTTP to HTTPS. This is configured in the cache behavior. Next, a mobile application is being developed that will use AWS Lambda. Amazon API Gateway and Amazon DynamoDB, a developer would like to securely authenticate the users of the mobile application and then grant them access to the API. What is the best way to achieve this? Answer, create a Cognito user pools authorizer and API Gateway. A user pool is a user directory in Amazon Cognito. With a user pool, your users can sign into your web or mobile app through Amazon Cognito. Your users can also sign in through social identity providers like Google, Facebook, Amazon, or Apple, and through SAML identity providers. Whether your users sign in directly or through a third party, all members of the user pool have a directory profile that you can access through a software development kit SDK. As an alternative to using IAM roles and policies, or Lambda authorizers, formerly known as custom authorizers, you can use an Amazon Cognito user pool to control who can access your API and Amazon API gateway. To use an Amazon Cognito user pool with your API, you must first create an authorizer of the Cognito user pool's type, and then configure an API method to use that authorizer. After the API is deployed, the client must first sign the user into the user pool, obtain an identity or access token for the user, and then call the API method with one of the tokens, which are typically set to the request's authorization header. The API call succeeds only if the required token is supplied and the supplied token is valid. Otherwise, the client isn't authorized to make the call because the client did not have credentials that could be authorized. Next. A serverless application composed of multiple Lambda functions has been deployed. A developer is setting up AWS code deploy to manage the deployment of code updates. The developer would like a 10% of the traffic to be shifted to the new version in equal increments 10 minutes apart, which setting should be chosen for configuring how traffic is shifted. Answer linear. A deployment configuration is a set of rules and success and failure conditions used by code deploy during a deployment. These rules and conditions are different depending on whether you deploy to an EC2 on-premises compute platform or an AWS Lambda compute platform. The linear option shifts a specific amount of traffic in equal increments of time. Next, a developer wants to encrypt new objects that are being uploaded to an Amazon S3 bucket by an application. There must be an audit trail of who has used the key during this process. There should be no change to the performance of the application. Which type of encryption meets these requirements? Answer server-side encryption with AWS KMS Managed Keys. Server-side encryption with Customer Master Keys CMKS stored in AWS Key Management Service SSE KMS is similar to SSE S3, but with some additional benefits and charges for using the service. There are separate permissions for the use of the CMK that provides added protection against unauthorized access of your objects in Amazon S3. SSEKMS also provides you with an audit trail that shows when your CMK was used and by whom. Therefore, the key to answering this question correctly is understanding that you do not get an audit trail of key usage when using S3 managed keys. You can still track API usage if you're using S3 managed keys, but not key usage. For this solution, we need to use server-side encryption and AWS KMS managed keys. Next, a developer has deployed a serverless application with AWS Lambda. The function must make remote calls to external endpoints. Which configuration element in Lambda can be used to store the connection strings related to the external endpoints? Answer environment variables. Use environment variables to pass environment-specific settings to your code. For example, you can have two functions with the same code but different configuration. One function connects to a test database and the other connects to a production database. In this situation, you use environment variables to tell the function, the hostname, and other connection details for the database. You might also set an environment variable to configure your test environment to use more verbose logging or more detailed tracing. Therefore, using environment variables is the correct place to store the connection strings associated with the external endpoints. Next, a DynamoDB table is being used to store session information for users of an online game. A developer has noticed that the table size has increased considerably and much of the data is not required after a gaming session is completed. What is the most cost-effective approach to reducing the size of the table? Answer, enable a time to live TTL on the table and add a timestamp attribute on new items. Time to live TTL for Amazon DynamoDB lets you define when items in a table expire so that they can be automatically deleted from the database. With TTL enabled on a table, you can set a timestamp for deletion on a per-item basis, allowing you to limit storage usage to only those records that are relevant. TTL is useful if you have continuously accumulating data that loses relevance after a specific time period, for example, session data, event logs, usage patterns, and other temporary data. If you have sensitive data that must be retained only for a certain amount of time according to contractual or regulatory obligations, TTL helps you ensure that it is removed promptly and is scheduled. Next. A developer is troubleshooting problems with a Lambda function that is invoked by Amazon SNS and repeatedly fails. How can the developer save discarded events for further processing? Answer configure a dead letter QDLQ. You can configure a dead letter QDLQ on AWS Lambda to give you more control over message handling for all asynchronous invocations, including those delivered via AWS events S3, SNS, EOT, etc. A dead letter queue saves discarded events for further processing. A dead letter queue acts the same as an on-failure destination in that it is used when an event fails all processing attempts or expires without being processed. However, a dead letter queue is part of a function's version-specific configuration, so it is locked in when you publish a version. On-failure destinations also support additional targets and include details about the function's response in the invocation record. You can set up a DLQ by configuring the dead letter config property when creating or updating your Lambda function. You can provide an SQS queue or an SNS topic as the target Rn for your DLQ. An AWS Lambda will write the event object invoking the Lambda function to this endpoint after the standard retry policy to additional retries on failure is exhausted. Next, a developer is planning to launch a serverless application composed of AWS Lambda. Amazon API Gateway, and Amazon DynamoDB. What is the easiest way to deploy the application using simple syntax? Answer use the serverless application model. The AWS serverless application model SAM is an open source framework for building serverless applications. It provides shorthand syntax to express functions, APIs, databases, and event source mappings. With just a few lines per resource, you can define the application you want and model it using YAML. During deployment, SAM transforms and expands the SAM syntax into AWS CloudFormation syntax, enabling you to build serverless applications faster. To get started with building SAM-based applications, use the AWS SAM CLI. SAM CLI provides a Lambda-like execution environment that lets you locally build test, and debug applications defined by SAM templates. You can also use the SAM CLI to deploy your applications to AWS. With the SAM CLI, you can package and deploy your source code using two simple commands, SAM Package, SAM Deploy. Alternatively, you can use AWS CloudFormation Package, AWS CloudFormation Deploy. The SAM CLI is therefore the easiest way to deploy serverless applications on AWS. Next, a developer has created an Amazon API gateway with caching enabled in front of AWS Lambda. For some requests, it is necessary to ensure the latest data is received from the endpoint. How can the developer ensure the data is not stale? Answer send requests with the Cache-Control: max-age=0 header. You can invalidate an existing cache entry and reload it from the integration endpoint for individual requests. The requests must contain the Cache-Control: max age equals zero header. The client receives the response directly from the integration endpoint instead of the cache, provided that the client is authorized to do so. This replaces the existing cache entry with the new response, which is fetched from the integration endpoint. Next, a website consisting of HTML, images, and client-side JavaScript is being hosted on Amazon S3. The website will be used globally. What's the best way to minimize latency for global users? Answer create a CloudFront distribution and configure the S3 website as an origin. To serve a static website hosted on Amazon S3, you can deploy a CloudFront distribution using one of these configurations. Using a REST API endpoint as the origin with access restricted by an origin access identity OAI. Using a website endpoint as the origin with anonymous public access allowed. Using a website endpoint as the origin with access restricted by a referrer header. All assets of this website are static HTML, images, client-side, JavaScript, therefore, this website is compatible with both S3 static websites and Amazon CloudFront. The simplest way to minimize latency is to create a CloudFront distribution and configure the static website as an origin. Next, a company has several AWS accounts used by different departments. Developers use the same CloudFormation template to deploy an application across accounts. What can the developers use to deploy and manage the application with the least operational effort? Answer Create a CloudFormation stack in an administrator account and use stack sets to update the stacks across multiple accounts. AWS CloudFormation stack sets extends the functionality of stacks by enabling you to create, update, or delete stacks across multiple accounts and regions with a single operation. Using an administrator account, you define and manage an AWS CloudFormation template and use the template as the basis for provisioning stacks into selected target accounts across specified regions. Using stack sets for this scenario will work well and result in the least operational overhead in creating, updating, and deleting CloudFormation stacks across multiple accounts. Next, a web application has been deployed on AWS. A developer is concerned about exposure to common exploits that could affect application availability or compromise security. Which AWS service can protect from these threats? Answer AWS Web Application Firewall WAF. AWS WAF is a web application firewall service that helps protect your web apps from common exploits that could affect app availability, compromise security, or consume excessive resources. AWS WAF helps protect web applications from attacks by allowing you to configure rules that allow, block, or monitor count web requests based on conditions that you define. These conditions include IP addresses, HTTP headers, HTTP body, URI strings, SQL injection, and cross-site scripting. AWS WAF gives you control over which traffic to allow or block to your web applications by defining customizable web security rules. Next. A developer is planning to use a Lambda function to process incoming requests from an application load balancer ALB. How can this be achieved? Answer create a target group and register the Lambda function using the AWS CLI. You can register your Lambda functions as targets and configure a listener rule to forward requests to the target group for your Lambda function. When the load balancer forwards the request to a target group with the Lambda function as a target, it invokes your Lambda function and passes the content of the request to the Lambda function in JSON format. You need to create a target group which is used in request routing and register a Lambda function to the target group. If the request's content matches a listener rule with an action to forward it to this target group, the load balancer invokes the registered Lambda function. Next. A company needs to provide additional security for their APIs deployed on Amazon API Gateway. They would like to be able to authenticate their customers with a token. What is the safest way to do this? Answer, create an API Gateway Lambda Authorizer. A Lambda Authorizer formerly known as a custom authorizer is an API Gateway feature that uses a Lambda function to control access to your API. A Lambda authorizer is useful if you want to implement a custom authorization scheme that uses a bearer token authentication strategy such as OAuth or SAML, or that uses request parameters to determine the caller's identity. When a client makes a request to one of your API's methods, API Gateway calls your Lambda authorizer, which takes the caller's identity as input and returns an IAM policy as output. There are two types of Lambda authorizers. A token-based Lambda authorizer, also called a token authorizer, receives the caller's identity in a bearer token, such as a JSON web token JWT or an OAuth token. A request parameter-based Lambda authorizer, also called a request authorizer, receives the caller's identity in a combination of headers, query string parameters, stage variables, and dollar context variables. For this scenario, the Lambda authorizer is the most secure method available. It can also be used with usage plans and AWS recommend that you don't rely only on API keys. So a Lambda authorizer is a better solution. Next, an application is deployed using AWS Elastic Beanstalk and uses a classic load balancer CLB. A developer is performing a blue slash green migration to change to an application load balancer ALB. After deployment, the developer has noticed that customers connecting to the ALB need to re-authenticate every time they connect. Normally, they would only authenticate once and then be able to reconnect without re-authenticating for several hours. How can the developer resolve this issue? Answer Enable sticky sessions on the target group. Sticky sessions are a mechanism to route requests to the same target in a target group. This is useful for servers that maintain state information to provide a continuous experience to clients. To use Sticky Sessions, the clients must support cookies. In this case, it is likely that the clients authenticate to the backend instance, and when they are reconnecting without Sticky Sessions enabled, they may be load, balanced to a different instance, and need to authenticate again. Therefore, the first step in troubleshooting this issue is to enable Sticky Sessions on the target group next, a developer is preparing to deploy a Docker container to Amazon ECS using CodeDeploy. The developer has defined the deployment actions in a JSON file. What should the developer name the file? Answer AppSpec YAML. The application specification file AppSpec file is a YAML formatted or JSON formatted file used by CodeDeploy to manage a deployment. The AppSpec file defines the deployment actions you want AWS CodeDeploy to execute. The name of the AppSpec file for an EC2 on-premises deployment must be AppSpec The name of the AppSpec file for an Amazon ECS or AWS Lambda deployment must be AppSpec Therefore, as this is an ECS deployment, the file name must be AppSpec Next, an application component writes thousands of item level changes to a DynamoDB table per day. The developer requires that a record is maintained of the items before they were modified. What must the developer do to retain this information? Choose two. Answer one. Set the stream view type to OLD image and two. Enable DynamoDB Streams for the table. DynamoDB Streams captures a time-ordered sequence of item level modifications in any DynamoDB table and stores this information in a log for up to 24 hours. Applications can access this log and view the data items as they appeared before and after they were modified in near real time. You can also use the create table or update table API operations to enable or modify a stream. The stream specification parameter determines how the stream is configured. Stream enabled specifies whether a stream is enabled true or disabled false for the table. Stream view type specifies the information that will be written to the stream whenever data in the table is modified. In this scenario, we only need to keep a copy of the items before they were modified. Therefore, the solution is to enable DynamoDB streams and set the stream view type to old images. Next, the manager of a development team is setting up a shared S3 bucket for team members. The manager would like to use a single policy to allow each user to have access to their objects in the S3 bucket. Which feature can be used to generalize the policy? Answer policy variable. In some cases, you might not know the exact name of the resource when you write the policy. You might want to generalize the policy so it works for many users without having to make a unique copy of the policy for each user. For example, consider writing a policy to allow each user to have access to his or her own objects in an Amazon S3 bucket. Instead of explicitly specifying the user's name as part of the resource, create a single group policy that works for any user in that group. You can do this by using policy variables, a feature that lets you specify placeholders in a policy. When the policy is evaluated, the policy variables are replaced with values that come from the context of the request itself. Next, the development team is working on an API that will be served from Amazon API Gateway. The API will serve three environments, prod, dev, and test and requires a cache size of 250 GB. What is the most cost efficient deployment strategy? Answer create a single API gateway with three stages and enable the cache for the DV and test environments only when required. You can enable API caching an Amazon API gateway to cache your endpoint's responses. With caching, you can reduce the number of calls made to your endpoint and improve the latency of requests to your API. Caching is enabled for a stage. When you enable caching for a stage, API Gateway caches responses from your endpoint for a specified time to live TTL period in seconds. API Gateway then responds to the request by looking up the endpoint response from the cache instead of making a request to your endpoint. The default TTL value for API caching is 300 seconds, about five minutes. The maximum TTL value is 3,600 seconds, about one hour. TTL equals zero means caching is disabled. In this scenario, we are asked to choose the most cost efficient solution. Therefore, the best answer is to use a single API gateway with three stages and as caching is enabled per stage, we can choose to save costs by only enabling the cache on DV and tests when we need to perform tests relating to that functionality. Next. An AWS Lambda function has been connected to a VPC to access an application running a private subnet. The Lambda function also pulls data from an internet based service and is no longer able to connect to the internet. How can this be rectified? Answer Add an NET gateway to a public subnet and specify a route in the private subnet. To enable connectivity to an application in a private subnet and the internet, you must first allow the function to connect to the private subnet. Lambda needs the following VPC configuration information so that it can connect to the VPC. Private submit ID, Security Group ID with required access. Lambda uses this information to set up an Elastic Network Interface ENI using an available IP address from your private subnet. The NAT gateway should be connected to a public subnet and a route needs to be added to the private subnet. Next. A CloudFormation template is going to be used by a global team to deploy infrastructure in several regions around the world. Which section of the template file can be used to set values based on a region? Answer mappings. The optional mapping section matches a key to a corresponding set of name values. For example, if you want to set values based on a region, you can create a mapping that uses the region name as a key and contains the values you want to specify for each specific region. You use the find and map intrinsic function to retrieve values in a map. Next, a decoupled application is using an Amazon SQS queue. The processing layer that is retrieving messages from the queue is not able to keep up with the number of messages being placed in the queue. What is the first step that developer should take to increase the number of messages the application receives? Answer, use the receive message API to retrieve up to 10 messages at a time. The Receive Message API call retrieves one or more messages up to 10 from the specified queue. This should be the first step to resolve the issue. With more messages received with each call, the application should be able to process messages faster. If the application still fails to keep up with the messages and speed is important, then additional queues can be added to scale horizontally. Next, an application searches a DynamoDB table to return items based on primary key attributes. A developer noticed some provision throughput exceeded exceptions being generated by DynamoDB. How can the application be optimized to reduce the load on DynamoDB and use the least amount of RCU? Answer modify the application to issue query API calls with eventual consistency reads. In general, scan operations are less efficient than other operations in DynamoDB. The scan operation always scans the entire table or secondary index. It then filters out values to provide the result you want, essentially adding the extra step of removing data from the result set. If possible, you should avoid using a scan operation on a large table or index with a filter that removes many results. Also, as a table or index grows, the scan. Operation slows. The scan operation examines every item for the requested values and can use up the provision throughput for a large table or index in a single operation. For faster response times, design your tables and indexes so that your applications can use query instead of scan. For tables, you can also consider using the getItem and batch getItem APIs. Additionally, eventual consistency consumers have fewer RCUs than strong consistency, therefore The application should be refactored to use scan APIs with eventual consistency. Next, a company runs a booking system for a medical practice. The AWS SDK is used to communicate with between several AWS services. Due to compliance requirements, the security department has requested that a record is made of all API calls. How can this requirement be met? Answer use Amazon CloudTrail to keep a history of API calls. AWS CloudTrail is a service that enables governance, compliance, operational auditing, and risk auditing of your AWS account. With CloudTrail, you can log, continuously monitor, and retain account activity related to actions across your AWS infrastructure. CloudTrail provides event history of your AWS account activity, including actions taken through the AWS Management Console, OS SDK, Command Line Tools, and other AWS services. This event history simplifies security analysis, resource change tracking, and troubleshooting. In addition, you can use CloudTrail to detect unusual activity in your AWS accounts. These capabilities help simplify operational analysis and troubleshooting. Next. A developer is completing the configuration for an Amazon ECS cluster. Which task placement strategy will minimize the number of instances in use? Answer, Binpack. A task placement strategy is an algorithm for selecting instances for task placement or tasks for termination. Task placement strategies can be specified when either running a task or creating a new service. Amazon ECS supports the following task placement strategies. binpack. This strategy places tasks based on the least available amount of CPU or memory. This minimizes the number of instances in use. Random. This strategy places tasks randomly. Spread. This strategy places tasks evenly based on the specified value. Accepted values are instance ID, host, or any platform or custom attribute that is applied to a container instance, such as attribute X, availability zone, Service tasks are spread based on the tasks from that service. Standalone tasks are spread based on the tasks from the same task group. To minimize the number of instances, the pack placement strategy is the best choice for this scenario. Next. A company is using AWS Lambda for processing small images that are uploaded to Amazon S3. This was working well until several thousand small files were recently uploaded and an error was generated by AWS Lambda status code 429. What is the most likely cause? Answer the concurrency execution limit for the account has been exceeded. The first time you invoke your function, AWS Lambda creates an instance of the function and runs its handler method to process the event. When the function returns a response, it stays active and waits to process additional events. If you invoke the function again while the first event is being processed, Lambda initializes another instance and the function processes the two events concurrently. Your function's concurrency is the number of instances that serve requests at a given time. For an initial burst of traffic, your function's cumulative concurrency in a region can reach an initial level of between 500 and 3000, which varies per region. Burst concurrency limits. 3,000 concurrency for U.S. West Oregon, U.S. East End, Virginia, and Europe Ireland. 1,000 concurrency for Asia-Pacific Tokyo and Europe Frankfurt. 500 concurrency for other regions. After the initial burst, your function's concurrency can scale by an additional 500 instances each minute. This continues until there are enough instances to serve all requests, or until a concurrency limit is reached. The default account limit is up to 1 million executions per second per region can be increased. It is therefore most likely that the concurrency execution limit for the account was exceeded. Next, an Amazon EC2 instance is being deployed with an Elastic Load Balancer ELB. A developer needs to run a script when the instance is being launched. What is the simplest method of running the script? Answer, place the code in the EC2 user data. When you launch an instance in Amazon EC2, you have the option of passing user data to the instance that can be used to perform common automated configuration tasks and even run scripts after the instance starts. You can pass two types of user data to Amazon EC2, shell scripts and cloud init directives. You can also pass this data into the launch wizard as plain text. As a file, this is useful for launching instances using the command line tools or as base64 encoded text for API calls. Using user data is the simplest method of achieving this requirement. If using an auto scaling group, you would also only have to place the data in the user data field once for the launch configuration. Next, a team of developers need to be able to collaborate and synchronize multiple distributed code repositories and leverage a pre-configured continuous delivery toolchain for deploying their projects on AWS. The team also require a centralized project dashboard to monitor application activity. Which AWS service should they use? Answer AWS CodeStar. AWS CodeStar enables you to quickly develop, build, and deploy applications on AWS. AWS CodeStar provides a unified user interface enabling you to easily manage your software development activities in one place. With AWS CodeStar, you can set up your entire continuous delivery toolchain in minutes, allowing you to start releasing code faster. AWS CodeStar makes it easy for your whole team to work together securely, allowing you to easily manage access and add owners, contributors, and viewers to your projects. Each AWS CodeStar project comes with a project management dashboard, including an integrated issue tracking capability powered by Atlassian JIRA software. With the AWS CodeStar project dashboard, you can easily track progress across your entire software development process from your backlog of work items to Teams recent code deployments. Next, a developer needs to add sign-up and sign-in capabilities for a mobile app. The solution should integrate with social identity providers, IDP and SAML IDP. Which service should the developer use? Answer AWS Cognito user pool. User pools are for authentication identify verification. With a user pool, your app users can sign in through the user pool or federate through a third party identity provider IDP. Identity pools are for authorization access control. You can use identity pools to create unique identities for users and give them access to other AWS services. User pool use cases. Use a user pool when you need to. Design, sign up and sign in web pages for your app. Use a custom authentication flow for your app. Track user device, location and IP address and adapt to sign in requests of different risk levels. Identity pool use cases. Use an identity pool when you need to. Give your users access to AWS resources such as an Amazon simple storage service, Amazon S3 bucket or an Amazon DynamoDB table. Generate temporary AWS credentials for unauthenticated users. Therefore, a user pool is the correct service to use, as in this case, we are not granting access to AWS services, just providing sign-up and sign-in capabilities for a mobile app. Next, a decoupled application uses an Amazon SQS queue. The producers send messages to the queue every 30 seconds on average. What is the most efficient configuration for a message processor to pull the queue? Answer set the queue attribute receive message wait time seconds to 20. The process of consuming messages from a queue depends on whether you use short or long polling. By default, Amazon SQS uses short polling, querying only a subset of its servers to determine whether any messages are available for a response. You can use long polling to reduce your costs while allowing your consumers to receive messages as soon as they arrive in the queue. When the wait time for the received message API action is greater than zero, long polling is in effect. The maximum long polling wait time is 20 seconds. Long polling helps reduce the cost of using Amazon SQS by eliminating the number of empty responses when there are no messages available for a received message request and false empty responses when messages are available but aren't included in a response. Therefore, setting the queue attribute receive message wait time seconds to 20 will result in fewer attempts to pull the queue, which is more efficient and will reduce cost. Next, a developer has created a YAML template file that includes the following header AWS serverless 20161031. Which command should the developer use to deploy the application? Answer SAM package and SAM deploy. The AWS serverless application model SAM is an open source framework for building serverless applications. It provides shorthand syntax to express functions, APIs, databases, and event source mappings. With just a few lines per resource, you can define the application you want and model it using YAML. The transform header indicates that the developer is creating a SAM template as it has the value transform AWS serverless 2016 1031. Therefore, there are two sets of commands that can be used to package and deploy using SAM. Use either SAM package, SAM deploy, or use AWS CloudFormation package, AWS CloudFormation deploy. Next, the call center application is being refactored into a serverless architecture. The new application includes several AWS Lambda functions which are involved in the automation of support tickets. What is the best way to coordinate the complex invocation logic for the Lambda functions? Answer create a state machine with AWS Step Functions. AWS Step Functions makes it easy to coordinate the components of distributed applications as a series of steps in a visual workflow. You can quickly build and run state machines to execute the steps of your application in a reliable and scalable fashion. AWS Step Functions is built on Lambda and is an orchestration service that lets you easily coordinate multiple Lambda functions into flexible workflows that are easy to debug and easy to change. Next, an X-ray daemon is being used on an Amazon ECS cluster to assist with debugging stability issues. A developer requires more detailed timing information and data related to downstream calls to AWS services. What should the developer use to obtain this extra detail? Answer subsegments. A segment can break down the data about the work done into subsegments. Subsegments provide more granular timing information and details about downstream calls that your application made to fulfill the original request. A subsegment can contain additional details about a call to an AWS service, an external HTTP API, or an SQL database. You can even define arbitrary subsegments to instrument-specific functions or lines of code in your application. Next. An independent software vendor uses Amazon S3 and Amazon CloudFront to distribute software updates. They would like to provide their premium customers with access to faster updates. What is the most efficient way to distribute these updates only to the premium customers? Choose two, answer one, create a signed URL with access to the content and distribute it to premium customers, and two, Create an Origin Access Identity OAI and associate it with the distribution and configure permissions. To restrict access to content that you serve from Amazon S3 buckets, you create CloudFront signed URLs or signed cookies to limit access to files in your Amazon S3 bucket, and then you create a special CloudFront user called an Origin Access Identity OAI and associate it with your distribution. Then you configure permissions so that CloudFront can use the OEI to access and serve files to your users. However, users can't use a direct URL to access files from the S3 bucket. Taking these steps help you maintain secure access to the files that you serve through CloudFront. Next, a company is setting up a Lambda function that will process events from a DynamoDB stream. The Lambda function has been created and a stream has been enabled. What else needs to be done for this solution to work? Answer an event source mapping must be created on the Lambda side to associate the DynamoDB stream with the Lambda function. An event source mapping is an AWS Lambda resource that reads from an event source and invokes a Lambda function. You can use event source mappings to process items from a stream or queue in services that don't invoke Lambda functions directly. Lambda provides event source mappings for the following services. Services that Lambda reads events from Amazon Kinesis, Amazon DynamoDB, Amazon SimpleQ service. An event source mapping uses permissions in the function's execution role to read and manage items in the event source. Permissions, event structure, settings, and polling behavior vary by event source. The configuration of the event source mapping for stream-based services and Amazon SQS is made on the Lambda side. Note, for other services such as Amazon S3 and SNS, the function is invoked asynchronously and the configuration is made on the source rather than Lambda. Next, a company runs a popular online game on-premises. The application stores players' results in an in-memory database. The application is being migrated to AWS and the company needs to ensure there is no reduction in performance. Which database would be most suitable? Answer, Amazon ElastiCache. ElastiCache is a fully managed, low-latency, in-memory data store that supports either Memcached or Redis. With ElastiCache, management tasks such as provisioning, setup, patching, configuration, monitoring, backup, and failure recovery are taken care of, so you can focus on application development. Amazon ElastiCache is a popular choice for real-time use cases like caching, session stores, gaming, geospatial services, real-time analytics, and queuing. For this scenario, the company is currently running an in-memory database and needs to ensure similar performance, so this is an ideal use case for ElastiCache. Next. A company has a global presence and managers must submit large quantities of reporting data to an Amazon S3 bucket located in the SES1 region on a weekly basis. Uploads have been slow recently. How can you improve data throughput and upload times? Answer enable S3 transfer acceleration on the S3 bucket. Amazon S3 transfer acceleration enables fast, easy, and secure transfers of files over long distances between your client and an S3 bucket. Transfer acceleration takes advantage of Amazon CloudFront's globally distributed edge locations. As the data arrives at an edge location, data is routed to Amazon S3 over an optimized network path. You might want to use transfer acceleration on a bucket for various reasons, including the following. You have customers that upload to a centralized bucket from all over the world. You transfer gigabytes to terabytes of data on a regular basis across continents. You are unable to utilize all your available bandwidth over the Internet when uploading to Amazon S3. Therefore, Amazon S3 transfer acceleration is an ideal solution for this use case and will result in improved throughput and upload times. Next, an Amazon RDS database is experiencing a high volume of read requests that is slowing down the database, which fully managed in-memory AWS database service can assist with offloading reads from the RDS database. Answer Amazon ElastiCache Redis. ElastiCache is a web service that makes it easy to deploy and run memcached or Redis protocol-compliant server nodes in the cloud. The in-memory caching provided by ElastiCache can be used to significantly improve latency and throughput for many read-heavy application workloads or compute-intensive workloads. This is a fully managed AWS service and is ideal for offloading reads from the main database to reduce the performance impact. Next, an application is being migrated into the cloud. The application is stateless and will run on a fleet of Amazon EC2 instances. The application should scale elastically. How can a developer ensure that the number of instances available is sufficient for current demand? Answer create a launch configuration and use Amazon EC2 Auto Scaling. Amazon EC2 Auto Scaling helps you maintain application availability and allows you to automatically add or remove EC2 instances according to conditions you define. You can use the fleet management features of EC2 Auto Scaling to maintain the health and availability of your fleet. You can also use the dynamic and predictive scaling features of EC2 auto-scaling to add or remove EC2 instances. Dynamic scaling responds to changing demand and predictive scaling automatically schedules the right number of EC2 instances based on predicted demand. Dynamic scaling and predictive scaling can be used together to scale faster. A launch configuration is an instance configuration template that an auto-scaling group uses to launch EC2 instances. When you create a launch configuration, you specify information for the instances. Include the ID of the Amazon Machine Image AMI, the instance type, a key pair, one or more security groups, and a block device mapping. If you've launched an EC2 instance before, you specify the same information in order to launch the instance. You can specify your launch configuration with multiple auto-scaling groups. However, you can only specify one launch configuration for an auto-scaling group at a time, and you can't modify a launch configuration after you've created it. To change the launch configuration for an auto-scaling group, you must create a launch configuration and then update your auto-scaling group with it. Therefore, the developer should create a launch configuration and use Amazon EC2 Auto Scaling. Next. A developer has added a global secondary index GSI to an existing Amazon DynamoDB table. The GSI is used mainly for read operations, whereas the primary table is extremely write-intensive. Recently, the developer has noticed throttling occurring under heavy write activity on the primary table. However, the write capacity units on the primary table are not fully utilized. What is the best explanation for why the writes are being throttled on the primary table? Answer the write capacity units on the GSI are under provision. Some applications might need to perform many kinds of queries using a variety of different attributes as query criteria. To support these requirements, you can create one or more global secondary indexes and issue query requests against these indexes in Amazon DynamoDB. When items from a primary table are written to the GSI, they consume write capacity units. It is essential to ensure that GSI has sufficient WCUs typically, at least as many as the primary table. If rights are throttled on the GSI, the main table will be throttled even if there's enough WCUs on the main table. LSIs do not cause any special throttling considerations. In this scenario, it is likely that the developer assumed that the GSI would need fewer WCUs as it is more read-intensive and neglected to factor in the WCUs required for writing data into the GSI. Therefore, the most likely explanation is that the write capacity units on the GSI are under provision. Next, an application uses Amazon API Gateway, an AWS Lambda function, and a DynamoDB table. The developer requires that another Lambda function is triggered when an item lifecycle activity occurs in the DynamoDB table. How can this be achieved? Answer, enable a DynamoDB stream and trigger the Lambda function synchronously from the stream. Amazon DynamoDB is integrated with AWS Lambda so that you can create triggers, pieces of code that automatically respond to events in DynamoDB streams. With triggers, you can build applications that react to data modifications in DynamoDB tables. If you enable DynamoDB streams on a table, you can associate the stream Amazon resource name ARN with an AWS Lambda function that you write. Immediately after an item in the table is modified, a new record appears in the table stream. AWS Lambda pulls the stream and invokes your Lambda function synchronously when it detects new stream records. Next. A serverless application requires a storage location for log files. Which storage solution is the best fit? Answer Amazon S3. Amazon S3 is an object-based storage system. The serverless application can use the REST API or AWS SDK to write data to an S3 bucket. This is a suitable solution for storing log files from a serverless app at low cost. Next, a developer is building a web application that will be hosted on Amazon EC2 instances. The EC2 instances will store configuration data in an Amazon S3 bucket. What is the safest way to allow the EC2 instances to access the S3 bucket? Answer, create an IAM role with a customer managed policy attached that has the necessary permissions and attach the role to the EC2 instances. Applications that run on an EC2 instance must include AWS credentials and their AWS API requests. You could have your developers store AWS credentials directly within the EC2 instance and allow applications in that instance to use those credentials. But developers would then have to manage the credentials and ensure that they securely pass the credentials to each instance and update each EC2 instance when it's time to rotate the credentials. Instead, you can and should use an IAM role to manage temporary credentials for applications that run on an EC2 instance. When you use a role, you don't have to distribute long-term credentials such as a username and password or access keys to an EC2 instance. Instead, the role supplies temporary permissions that applications can use when they make calls to other AWS resources. When you launch an EC2 instance, you specify an IAM role to associate with the instance. Applications that run on the instance can then use the role supply temporary credentials to sign API requests. There are two answers that would work in this scenario. In one, a customer managed policy is used and in the other, an AWS managed policy is used. The customer managed policy is more secure in this situation as it can be locked down with more granularity to ensure that EC2 instances can only read and write to the specific bucket. Next. A developer is making updates to the code for a Lambda function. The developer is keen to test the code updates by directing a small amount of traffic to a new version. How can this best be achieved? Answer create an alias that points to both the new and previous versions of the function code and assign a waiting for sending a portion of traffic to the new version. You can create one or more aliases for your AWS Lambda function. A Lambda alias is like a pointer to a specific Lambda function version. Users can access the function version using the alias ARN. You can point an alias to multiple versions of your function code and then assign a weighting to direct certain amounts of traffic to each version. This enables a blue slash green style of deployment and means it's easy to roll back to the older version by simply updating the weighting if issues occur. Next. An AWS Lambda application writes data to an Amazon S3 bucket. The application sometimes needs to overwrite an object and then immediately read the object. In some cases, the application retrieves the old version of the object. What is the most likely explanation for this? Answer, Amazon S3 overwrite puts are eventually consistent, so the application may read the old object Amazon S3 provides read-after-write consistency for puts of new objects in your S3 bucket in all regions with one caveat. The caveat is that if you make a head or get request to a key name before the object is created, then create the object shortly after that. A subsequent get might not return the object due to eventual consistency. Amazon S3 offers eventual consistency for overwrite puts and deletes in all regions. Therefore, the most likely explanation for this issue is that the old object version was retrieved due to Amazon's eventual consistency model for overwrite puts. Next. A development team has deployed several applications running on an auto-scaling fleet of Amazon EC2 instances. The operations team have asked for a display that shows a key performance metric for each application on a single screen for monitoring purposes. What steps should a developer take to deliver this capability using Amazon CloudWatch? Answer create a custom namespace with a unique metric name for each application. A namespace is a container for CloudWatch metrics. Metrics in different namespaces are isolated from each other so that metrics from different applications are not mistakenly aggregated into the same statistics. Therefore, the developer should create a custom namespace with a unique metric name for each application. This namespace will then allow the metrics for each individual application to be shown in a single view through CloudWatch. Next, an application writes items to an Amazon DynamoDB table. As the application scales to thousands of instances, calls to the DynamoDB API generate occasional throttling exception errors. The application is coded in a language incompatible with the AWS SDK. How should the error be handled? Answer add exponential backoff to the application logic. Exponential backoff can improve an application's reliability by using progressively longer waits between retries. When using the AWS SDK, this logic is built in. However, in this case, the application is incompatible with the AWS SDK, so it is necessary to manually implement exponential backoff. Next, a developer wants to debug an application by searching and filtering log data. The application logs are stored in Amazon CloudWatch logs. The developer creates a new metric filter to count exceptions in the application logs. However, no results are returned from the logs. What is the reason that no filtered results are being returned? Answer CloudWatch Logs only publishes metric data for events that happen after the filter is created. After the CloudWatch Logs agent begins publishing log data to Amazon CloudWatch, you can begin searching and filtering the log data by creating one or more metric filters. Metric filters define the terms and patterns to look for in log data as a descent to CloudWatch logs. CloudWatch Logs uses these metric filters to turn log data into numerical CloudWatch metrics that you can graph or set an alarm on. You can use any type of CloudWatch statistic, including percentile statistics, when viewing these metrics or setting alarms. Filters do not retroactively filter data. Filters only publish the metric data points for events that happen after the filter was created. Filtered results return the first 50 lines, which will not be displayed if the timestamp on the filtered results is earlier than the metric creation time. Therefore, the filtered results are not being returned as CloudWatch logs only publishes metric data for events that happen after the filter is created. Next. A developer is creating an auto-scaling group of Amazon EC2 instances. The developer needs to publish a custom metric to Amazon CloudWatch. Which method would be the most secure way to authenticate a CloudWatch put request? Answer create an IAM role with the put metric data permission and create a new auto-scaling launch configuration to launch instances using that role. The most secure configuration to authenticate the request is to create an IAM role with a permissions policy that only provides the minimum permissions required. This IAM role should have a customer managed permissions policy applied with the put metric data allowed. The put metric data API publishes metric data points to Amazon CloudWatch. CloudWatch associates the data points with the specified metric. If the specified metric does not exist, CloudWatch creates the metric. When CloudWatch creates a metric, it can take up to 15 minutes for the metric to appear in calls to list metrics.